The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. But not today. I, I went and I read the news and I saw... I saw the news and I was going to review this sermon that I'm preparing for you, and it's just a confirmation of the text. In the news, there is these two, uh, two boys. Uh, they're brothers. They're 16 and 17 years old. I think they're from Washington or Oregon or something, and they, they abducted their great-grandmother. Yeah, and they took her, and they put her, they gagged her, took her from her home, put her in the back of a stolen vehicle in a trunk and drove it, and, and there's a happy ending, okay? So it's not like this grim story, but that's grim enough right there. Drove them across uh, to Oregon from Washington, as I recall, and they went into Walmart to get something to eat at Walmart, and, and their great-grandmother got the gag out, was able to get herself free, got out of the trunk, and the boys got arrested, and she was spared. Somebody say Hallelujah. Somebody say, send him to jail for a long time. Yeah, amen. Praise God. Something very wrong with that. I mean, and I, I took a look at these two boys, and you don't have to have much discernment to realize that they are really just victims in many ways. Now, I don't know their home life. I don't know their family life, but I guarantee you they didn't get the kind of ministry that they needed. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? They needed some serious training. And I was already working on this and looking at this text because it's overwhelming to me. This text here in Genesis chapter 18. Now, my daughter Hannah... She was born on my birthday, July 1st, 1999. I wasn't born in 99, obviously. I'm born in 1966. But if you flip it, it's 99. And it was a sign to me. The Lord spoke to me, brought me our, our, our first daughter, Karen and I. Hannah, but here she comes. She was born July 1st on my birthday. And uh, Hannah has been just such a great joy. In fact, her middle name is, is Joy. And, you know, we didn't really know all that much about how to raise children. This text is profound, and it's about raising kids. It's about the promise. It's about a multi-generational promise that God had given Abraham, and really God has given you, God has given me. But in it, there's some, some real truth that we need to meditate on. I think about child raising in Scripture and I can't help but think about those that really blew it. You know, David was a man after God's own heart, yet he sinned with Bathsheba, and that curse went to his whole family line. And the destruction that that brought was far-reaching, deep and wide. I think about Eli in, uh, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 3. What's interesting to me, 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 13, it says, For I have told him, that I will judge his house. Where are you going, Hannah? I'm just messing with you. <laughs> that I will judge his house forever. 
It's part of my message. Judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows. Because his sons made themselves vile. And he did not restrain them. Wow. Let me say this to you. Those who do not help restrain the sins of others they're in relationship with, listen carefully. Those who do not help restrain the sins of others who they're in relationship with are party to the crime. The Bible does talk about you who are spiritual should restore such a one. So, I mean, it doesn't make you the cop that runs around pointing the finger at everybody. I've noticed people that actually do that are the ones that actually have most of the problems. But Eli knew that he had a problem in his home and he would not deal with it. He had a word from Samuel. He had a word from God. God had dealt with him and said, look, your sons, they need to be dealt with. He, did, he knew it. And he, I, he had spoken to them, but he didn't restrain them. He didn't actually make them change. Now listen, once your kids are outside your house, it's a different story. But they're underneath your roof. It's, that's... that's uh, Come on, that's real. It's about to get real. Say it's about to get real. If we look at this text, the text is the Lord telling Abraham about the impending judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. And God declares Abraham's future, that he's going to bless him and he's going to do all of these wonderful things. And God describes in really what I would call a language of covenant, his relationship with him. God chose him for a purpose. Everybody say, God chose me for a purpose. Okay, so God chose you for a purpose. But if you look at Genesis 12, the calling of Abraham, Abram at that time, before he gets a name change. I mean, it's crazy that God calls him the father of many. He doesn't even have any kids. You know, I love how God prophetically does stuff. He calls him in Genesis 12 and Sarai, and he says basically, Turn to, turn to Genesis 12, verse 1. Put it up on the screen, please. Genesis 12 and verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abra Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Verse 2. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. Verse 3. And I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curses you. And in all of the families of the earth, you shall be blessed. I mean, God is calling him. You can, that's enough. God's calling him and he says, look, if you walk in such a way, not just you, but as your family walks in such a way, I will use you to impact the nations. You see, God doesn't call individuals. He calls families. You need to settle that. You might be the only one saved tonight in your home, but that's going to change. Somebody say amen. God calls families, and he speaks to Abram, and he has a purpose for him now here in Genesis 18. He's Abraham. And the purpose was so that he will direct his children and a household after him to keep the way of the Lord I have chosen him, verse 9, that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. So that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he's promised. Now here's what is absolutely amazing to me. What's amazing is that the promise comes to Abraham, but 
it's very clear that it's multi-generational. Put up verse 19, if you will, my dear brother. Genesis 18, verse 19. So there's this plan, there's this purpose for Abraham, and Abraham's job is that he would direct or command his children and his household after him so that they would keep the way of the Lord. In other words, if you don't teach your kids how to keep the way of the Lord, to do righteousness and justice, then the promise for your family will not come about. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Do you mean if I don't teach my kids and impart into my kids and direct my kids daily, a daily directed vision for living for God, then the promise for your plan that God, your family, that God clearly has will not come about. You know why? Because it's too big for one generation. It's just too big. It's too vast. It's, it's too broad. And God was speaking to Abraham just before he brings judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah and says, well, hey, you're going to need to learn to direct your children to keep the way of the Lord, to do righteousness and justice. That the Lord, or so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he's spoken to him. In other words, your promise is contingent on whether you train your family to walk in the way of the Lord. The fullness of your promise. I'm not talking about getting a momentary healing or, 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 or a financial breakthrough. I'm talking about a generational deluge of God's kingdom power in your life and your seed that follows you. It's even more than your own life. You're going to die. Every one of us will die. But the promise for you and your family is bigger than one lifetime. It is a gen. Don't, don't think your lifetime, your lifetime, talk to any older person, they'll all tell you they blinked and it's over. I mean, I, I've lived long enough now, I'm almost 50. July 1st, I've turned 50. Glory to God, I feel like I'm 25, except my body doesn't quite feel that way. And I realized, my gosh, what happened in the past 25 years? And I know the next 25 are going to do the same thing. Of course, I'm going to live to 120 and preach until I'm 120. Amen. That's what I'm going for. Should the Lord tarry. Have other younger men and couples raise up and, you know, one of the reasons churches are dead in America is you've got older dudes that should have passed the baton, but they hold on to the pulpit like it's the end of the world. Good God, if you don't multiply and raise up sons and daughters around you, then you're... Sterile. Spiritually speaking. The promise to Abraham was contingent on him directing his children in the way of the Lord, teaching them righteousness and justice so that God could bring about the fullness of that promise. The same is true for you. The same is true for me. Wow. That's kind of amazing. All right, well, what does that mean? It's very simple. Train your kids. I should get an amen on the front row. Come on. All right, praise the Lord. Train your children. Train your children. It's not enough just to know what they should be doing. You have to direct them. And I will tell you that sometimes that requires a serious conflict. Sin is bound up in the heart of the child. You know that, right? You've got to train them. You've got to teach them. And it's a daily thing. Day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. And it can be exhausting. 
I have known men of God. I've known families, women of God, families that they get to the teenage years and it just gets too difficult for them. Because kids are getting their wings and they want to try to flap them every so often. And it's hard to be, you know, 15 and know everything. Hello. God bless all the 15-year-olds. I was a nightmare, but the truth is, I was such a good liar. And I just had, I, I just, I just was able to just get around it all. Parents were too busy. I had them fooled. Little did I know, thinking that I was winning, I really lost. You see, if you don't win in the directing and the, and the training of your children, if you don't win, then, then, they, then they lose. And if they win, well, they might have a momentary sense of exhilaration. And in the end, however, they might very well drop the baton and forfeit it all. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How to train our children, and I, I, this is by no means an all-encompassing message on that. But it is profound to realize that the call of your life and your family, it's really the call of your family, is contingent on you training your kids. Those two abductors of the great-grandmother, I looked at those two pictures I thought they obviously didn't have a father and a mother to, to beat the, in the, the love of Jesus into them. I'm not into beating children, obviously, but I, I'm going to tell you something. The enemy needs to be driven out, however means that, that needs to be done. And I don't mean by, I, there's child abuse. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about teaching love and consequences and holding the standard and, and not yielding. And when they don't obey, give them consequences. And it is obvious to me as I see these two boys, they're just totally like, they look, you know, they remind me of, of just totally unkept wild animals. Nobody parented them, obviously. They just went crazy. And I know that there's occasions where the kids that have been parented well, and they reject and throw it off and go for the enemy. I, you know, we pray. I don't understand it all, but I know that we need to do our best. How to, how to train a child in the ways of the Lord. Well, I think one of the important things for me and my house and we're still training, and I'm so proud of my kids. Hannah, I'm so proud of you, sweetheart. I'm so proud of Danny. I'm so proud of my children. They're really doing exceptionally well. They love the Lord, spend time in his word. Hannah's a big journaler. She's written all kinds of music. Your love for God, Hannah, just blesses me. I never knew that scripture would have such meaning for me. I have no greater joy than to see my children walk in truth. And as a parent, and I see my kids walking in truth and overcoming and, and keeping their heart right and praying and worshiping, it just does something for me. It's like no greater joy. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? But we've been blessed by a lot of help, my family and I. And you talk to any godly family, and they'll tell you the same thing. We've had a lot of help. What do you mean? Well, help from others. Like, I've read a lot of books. I should actually say that Pastor Karen, who's getting ready for the trip to Chile, we fly out at 3 in the morning tomorrow morning. Well, we take off from our house about that time. And so she's readying all of her stuff, getting us all ready to go. 
She's read so many books. I sort of skim, and then she teaches me. It's kind of a, I've been busy about doing ministry stuff, and she has really become a student of child raising, homeschooled. Now, we've homeschooled. Not that you have to homeschool, but we just figured, well, we better get character in our kids before we drop them in a cesspool. And uh, that's just our, you know, I, you know, you got to do what the Lord has you do. And so that's the way we felt about it. And, of course, there's good Christian schools and things like that. But we've read a lot of books and, 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 and read a lot of things and been to conferences and heard sermons and, and had a lot of help from other people. And, and you all need that. Everyone needs help from other people. And I'm so thankful for, for the staff. I'm so thankful for Pastor Brian and Pastor Kelly and how they modeled what it is to be Christ-like in their child raising and, and their children. And so thankful for Pastor Chris and Dr. Morocco. These are families that I grew up with in the church, and I watched them. I watched them. I mean, you could take a picture of this right here, right now. I don't want to bring too much attention to it, but you could take a picture of that and go, um, something's right there. I mean, how is it that you have three little ones? There's something very right over here. You know, we don't really have a lot of wrong going on right now, so it's easy to pick on the, on the stuff that's all good because I see good everywhere. Look at that. Look at this. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, he's sleeping. Don't wake him up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, we've had people that, we bring our kids over, and they're all well-behaved, and say, oh, you're so lucky. Johnny, he just clears off the coffee table. Every what are you talking about, luck? <laughs> luck has nothing to do with it. It has everything to do with instruction and training and reproof and correction and discipline, loving discipline. Am I getting through to anybody? We live in a world where there's tremendous conf confusion. And so we really have to be reminded what God's Word says about it. You know, that whole, what was it, 1950s, Dr. Spock? Am I right? Is, it, is that right? I think he repented right before he passed. I'm so sorry, we've raised a generation of brats, is what he said. Yeah, don't spank your kid. Just give them everything they want. Yeah, and you raise a whole generation that is so self-indulgent. And at the end, he's like, oops. Dude, oops, <laughs> billions of books, and everybody's like, well, my grandmother said, no, no, you need to read the Dr. Spock. That's the new thing. Read Dr. Spock book. Just help you out. Yep, no more breastfeeding. Read Dr. Spock. No, no more correction. Just give the kid. Love him. Just love, yeah, love him. What? Love spanks. Amen. That's what I say. Praise the Lord. Now, that's the right way to do it. You should never do it in anger, and you should never really even use your hand and all that. We've got classes. We'll help you on that. Growing kids God's way. Loving your kids on purpose. These are classes that we have. But you've got to train your kids. Otherwise, you'll forfeit the call of God on your family. We fight against demonic power. Don't ever forget that. The whole world has been pornified. I'm not going to say that too many times because I don't want to get you to get questions. But that's true. Instagram, Twitter, all of that stuff is just an open cesspool getting pumped to many cell phones. Let me, take a, let me take a punch at it one more time. If your kid has a smartphone and you don't know what's on that thing, then you're foolish. 
And if you give them full access to the internet, you're full. Well, they're good kids. Yeah, they're good, but the devil's bad. And he'll just set them up. He'll set them up. You've got to, you've got to know what's on the phone. We, they, we have an open phone policy. I have an open phone policy. My wife can take my phone, and she does, anytime she likes to. My phone and her phone are interchangeable. I don't have any secrets. I got zero, none. And, and if you have a kid has a phone, and you go to grab that phone, and they're like, no, no, hey, what? Uh, hey, that's my phone. Is that? No, you're guilty, dude. That's what you're guilty. I'm going to direct my children. I'm going to direct my kids. Daily directed vision. Why? To fulfill the call of God on my family. Amen. Get a lot of help from people. Read books. Look at godly role models. If you don't know how to raise children, learn. And if you're not willing to learn, then just don't have them. We got to listen. Oh, dude. I just, might, I just might preach and get a little upset right now. The whole destruction of the innocent. There's no illegitimate children. There's illegitimate parents. You look at 16 and 17-year-olds who abduct their great-grandmother. Where in God's name are the parents? You say, well, they're, they're reprobates. They probably were. And so are their parents too, maybe. And there's this decline that's happening in our culture. And there needs to be a standard that's raised up. I believe God's doing that here. I'm not preaching to the choir Sunday night. The sun's out. You're not four-wheeling. You're here with your kids here in the Word of God. So, I mean, I, you know, praise the Lord. Well, thank you, Jesus. I'll share this story. You'll love this one. I was pastoring in Kula. And I've told it here before. If you've heard it before, then just enjoy it once again. And a lady uh, came and said, I think my son has a demon. I said, well, why do you think that? And they said, well, he gets very violent. And he does just unthinkable things, and he bites, and he does things to me, but not all the time, only certain times. I go, okay, where's your son? So he's over here. Now, they bring this boy, and I'm going to try to remember. I think, I think he's like six at the time, six years old. So I, I take a little bit, we'll call him Johnny. I take little Johnny, and I don't know why I did this. I just did. I took him by the hand, and I walked him up the stage. The church is out. Everybody's leaving. Mom's sitting on the front row. She's watching me. I pick up the six-year-old, and I sit him on top of my pulpit so I could see him face-to-face. I'm looking at his face. I said, so, what's going on? He says, um, when I watch Digiman, Jesus leaves. Okay, this is a six-year-old. I didn't say nothing to him. I asked him what's going on. He says, when I watch Digiman, Jesus leaves. Okay, I don't even know what, I know what Digiman is now. I didn't know anything about Digi, nothing back then. It was a long time ago. You know, Pokemon, Digiman, all that stuff. Pokemon, pocket monster, Japanese pocket monsters. I said, well, what's, what's Digiman? He says, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. I said, well, why are you watching? He's like, I like it. I thought, I think he might have a demon. I thought, huh. I said, well, I'm going to pray for you. Okay. So I prayed for him. And 
I took him off the pulpit, and I said, okay, see you, little Johnny. Now I talked to the mom. I said, well, let me tell you what just happened. And she was watching the whole thing. I said, you know, he says to me, and I didn't ask anything. He says, when I watch, when I, actually, if I remember correctly, Pokemon's bad. But when I watch Digiman, Jesus leaves. That's what he said. So I tell her. She goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, what do you mean? Well, he has these videos, and he really likes watching them. And I try to take them from him, but when I do, he freaks out. I said, and? And so I have to let him watch them. I thought. I said, you know, I could pray for your son to be delivered, but actually you're the one. You're the one that needs the deliverance. You see, and let me just tell you, I, and I'm, I'm poking fun a little bit, but the, the truth is she was so wounded in her own home to bring, to bring chastisement to her child hurt her so bad because of the internal wounds that she had from being abused. So she never wanted to do that. She, well-meaning, well-meaning, never wanted to be an abuser or, or bring any kind of pain to their child. And, and that's a good thing. You know, you don't want to hurt your kids. Amen. You want, to, you want to instruct them rightly. But she was so unhealed in her own spirit that she couldn't, she couldn't even have any boundaries for him. And so with no boundaries, little Johnny gets demonized because of her unhealed wounds. I'd love to tell you a happy ending of the story. I explained all that to her, and I prayed for her, and I told her, look, you've got to learn to help him. You can't just let him do whatever, or you're going to have a prison ministry. You know what happened? About 12 years later, fast forward 12 years, I saw Johnny. And he was the roughest looking, beat up one side, down the other, absolute hooligan. I mean, he was... Involved in violent crimes. He had all kinds of issues. He was one tormented man. Tormented, he was such a good looking kid. And they left church. I think I offended her pretty good, so she left for a while and eventually she came back. Listen, some of you need to be offended and get over and change. I don't mean to get offended and throw your hands up and turn and run away. I mean, like, some of you need a spanking yourself. Maybe I'm talking to the people online. Not here. You're all just doing the deal. Look at somebody and say, aren't you glad you came to church tonight? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Just feeling warm and fuzzy all over. Amen. Praise God. I have so many stories. Anyway, that young man, he, uh, as far as I know, he, you know, I pray he's come back to the Lord, but as far as I know, that never happened. You know, scars and accidents and the curse, the generational curse comes down upon him, not the generational blessing. The blessing of God is contingent on you living for God and directing your family to do the same. Learning to submit to the authority of his word. Learning to submit to the authority of godly leadership. Learning to submit to the structures of authority inside a home. Learning to do the right thing. Learning to get consequences for it. That is love. You've got to show them affection. You've got to give them attention. 
Love for a child is spelled time, T-I-M-E. Spend time with them. Keep your word with them. Teach your children to obey. Don't exasperate them. I've been guilty of that. But I've repented, praise the Lord. <laughs> I've been guilty. Because I, I, I can be a teaser. So you know what exasperate is? It's just, you just, you harass them and harangue them and tease them until they're just like, ah, they're going out of their mind. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. Yes. Come on, Hannah said Amen. Amen. And I've, I've learned, I backslide occasionally, but I've learned to not do that. To exasperate them. You know, you, you get angry at them or, or frustrated with them because they can't move the 100-pound bag of luggage. And he's five. How's a five-year-old going to move a 100-pound bag of luggage? There's foolishness and disobedience. Those are two totally different things. Foolishness is when a kid just does something because, oops, he's a kid. I have a piece of equipment in my yard, and um, it's stainless steel, and it's nice. And my son has a pellet gun, and I, I told him as I was leaving, Mick, don't shoot that. Well, he didn't hear me. Okay, no, he, he didn't hear me. And so I, I come back, and I see a dent. And so I said, uh, hey. What happened? Oh, I, I thought I, 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 I just thought it would bounce off. I said, I told you not to shoot it, dude. He said, I didn't hear you. I said, you thought it would bounce off? Yeah. Okay. Now, is that willful disobedience? First of all, my kid's not a liar, so I believe he didn't hear me. See, we got that straight. Plus, I have a lie detector, built-in lie detector. It's called a gift of discernment. It operated really good right after the second service as a drug addict, try to get money from some people from the church. I just need some money to go blah, 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 blah. So I heard about it. I said, well, well let's see if that's real. So I talked to him. Dude, he passed. He failed every one of my tests. And I said, I don't believe you. He's like, I said, so where's the name? Where's the hospital? Just give me that information. I said, I, I want to believe you, but I don't believe you. Because this is where I came from, and I don't believe you. And he says, um, uh, and he gives me a story. So fun. I call the hospital with the name. Guess what? She's not there. She doesn't exist. It's a lie. He's lying. And so at that point, he says, like, gosh, I've never been so disres disrespected. Oh, shut up. Go try to hit somebody else up. Ain't happening here. Don't ever come back and try to take some money from my people ever again. You want to get healed and get delivered, you can come on back. He, he needed a spanking. I was happy to give it to him. In fact, I, after I got to the end of it and realized that he was working all kinds of people, I'm so thankful he didn't get, hopefully he didn't get any money from anybody. I'm not into that. He failed all of my, my lie detector tests, and I couldn't wait to find him, except he disappeared. Imagine that. The crazy, blue-eyed, bald-head pastor who used to be a drug addict himself. You, you asked the wrong guy. Oh, don't go there. That guy's crazy. Darn right. Now, when you want to get healed and set free, come on down. Want to come and work a scheme? You will get a spiritual beating the likes that you have never experienced. I'm just saying, I hate that thing. I drove off of here just steamed. The audacity. Steamons are stupid. 
Anyway, my son, having shot the piece of equipment, put a dent. He didn't hear me. He passed my test. I didn't hear you, Dad. Okay, so what then? Well, there's consequences, but it's not open rebellion. It's very different. All right, he should have known. Okay, well, the frontal lobe's not fully developed yet. And, you know, they're growing. So am I going to come down with the hammer? No. Willful disobedience? Look at me and said, I ain't doing that. And you can't tell. Oh, dude, that'd be the last day. I'm going to talk back and tell me what's what? Wrong. Of course, you've got to keep love and, dis- and not angry. If you're angry, just cool off and then give them the consequences. I'm almost done. You guys get anything? I want to see the plan of God come down for me, my family, my daughter, her kids, as, as God brings her husband in time. I want to see the plan of God be released in my life and my family, and the generations to come. I have broken off every curse. I have applied the blood. I have contended for the freedom that I have, and I will not let my family come under a burden, a yoke of of destruction ever again. And so I've got to direct my kids. Now one day they're going to fly. Hannah's got her senior year. She's got wings. She's going to go. She's going to do something for God. It's then up to her. I'll always be your dad, though. I told you, I know how her husband's coming. He'll knock on the door. I'll open it. I'll pray in tongues. He'll have the same interpretation that I have. And then I'll know. That's him. <laughs> Let me close. There's so much. We could go on and on and on. Provide opportunities for your kids to grow. You know, these... Different ones are going to the, Philipp- the Philippines mission trip. I'm so excited about that. I've, I've regularly experienced like a, a welling up of the joy of the Lord about what God's going to do in the Philippines. I'm so excited. I'm so excited about your daughter becoming, a, what is it? An honor star. You know, that's no small task. Good job, sweetheart. You're getting crowned next Sunday, huh? We're proud of you. Amen. It's a beautiful thing. Good job. Good job, sweetheart. God, the camps, camps coming up. Isn't that right, Mike? Come here. Tell me what's up with camp and all that. And it's June 13th through the 17th for grades uh, 7th through 12th grade. Uh, and Pastor Aaron Anderson from Cape First, Missouri is coming here. He's going to be our guest speaker. He's got a whole team of youth. He's bringing a worship team. They want fine arts competitions. The last one, Pastor Gary Brothers told me the judges stopped stood up and started worshiping during the competition. So it's going to be amazing. That's a, nation, a nationwide, com- nationwide competition they want, yeah. And so the, the pri- every, all the information's at the iDesk. If you have not signed your kid up, I encourage you. If they're in the 7th to 12th grade, it's the best place they can be in June uh, 13th through the 17th. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mike. Listen, get your kids involved in things that they can grow in and, and, and help them facilitate the direction of the Lord. Get them around godly friends. Listen, here, this is a revelation. You ready? I pick all the friends that my kids have personally. What? That's a little controlling. That's right. Until they can have wisdom and discernment to pick their own friends, I have wisdom and discernment for them to pick them right. Rightly. Okay, Hannah's there. 
right? She's there. She can pick her own friends now. I supervise still. Amen. Hey, Danny, still still growing, still young, still 13, 13 years old. Can I pick on your boy? Come here. How old are you, young man? Eight. He's eight. You know who picks his friends for him? I know. His parents do. Why? Because at eight, he's learning to discern. He's learning to walk in the ways of the Lord. Would you just let, come on, would you let just an eight-year-old run down to the store these days? Not if you're a healthy, good parent, no. And so would you let your kids run with a wolf? No, you wouldn't. But there are many times your kids are, don't have it all together. Their parents aren't there. You know, you got a great family, you know that? Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> I, I've shared that before, and I've had people say, you know, that's a little much. What are you talking about? See, some of you don't know how to pick relationships that are healthy. So you partner with people that are just high-level dysfunction and so codependent with addicted personalities, with perversion in their life up one side and down the other. No, we need to minister to people like that. You just don't bring them real close. You say, well, that's me. Well, you're in the great place. You can get healed, delivered, and saved today. Amen. But you don't partner with that. Hello? Come on, you don't, you don't let a... You don't let a inside your house would you would you do that you know the crazy thing about abusers is they're many times very close and you don't know who they are listen i i've been accused of being controlling and all that i'll tell you something else though nothing's ever happened to my kids that's been off like that they've not crept into my house unaware unnoticed Uh, oh, oh i've seen it happen try Oh, no, you'd have to put a bullet in me before that happened. Not on my watch. Not me, not, not me being aware. All of you younger families, listen. You've you, you got to daily direct your kids. Why? Because God's got an awesome plan for you and your family. And if you don't, come on, let's read it one more time. Put up 18, Genesis 18, verse uh, 18. Once again, we'll do 18 and 19. Let's read it again and we'll close. Since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation. In other words, since the Davises will surely become a great and mighty nation. Nations are made of families. And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Come on, don't take it out of context. I'm just trying to apply it to you. For I have known him in order that he may command or direct his children and his household after him. That means when you're a granddaddy, you still bring in some direction. And then you've directed so well you directed so well that they can still hear your voice when you're in heaven. You know what I mean? How many of you know what I'm talking about? I can still hear things of my grandfather, my granddad. I can still, I can still hear his voice. My mother would tell you that she could still hear her grandfather's voice who's passed long ago into glory. Keep his household after him. They would keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring, or so that the Lord may bring to Abraham or to the Davises or to whatever your family is. Come on, someone say, to my family, so that the Lord can bring to my family what he has promised us. That's heavy. Just saying that's heavy. Come on, stand up on your feet. Let me say this because I said some edgy things. 
I said some things that are a little bit edgy. If you thought I meant something that wasn't right, I didn't mean that. Do you follow me? I didn't mean that. I meant the righteous version of that. There are abusers, and, I, and, and there are people that are violent with their kids, and it's wrong, and it should never happen like that. Amen. But there is a righteous way of raising a godly family. Come on, lift your hands and ask God to help you. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you for your promises that are yes and amen. Come on, if you're with your family right now, just come on, put your hands on your kids. Kids, just kind of arm in arm. Come on, get with your family. Fathers and mothers, you pray over your kids. Come on, just pray over them now. If they're not here, then you just pray over them anyway. There's no distance in the Spirit. Come on, just bless them right now. Be a model, a model believer. Keep your word. Spend time with them. Sacrifice. Thank you, Lord, for the next generation. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Bless the children. God, we give you praise. If you're not right with God, won't you give your heart to Jesus tonight? Won't you? Get right with Jesus. Ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. Did you get something? Amen. Hannah Bell, come on up here and close in prayer. Come close us in prayer. Take someone by the hand. Hannah, would you come please? Hallelujah. Come on, pray for the person on your right, person on your left, Hannah. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you did in this service, Lord God, and I thank you for your presence that has even continued to rest on us, Lord God, throughout this service. I ask that you would bless your people, Lord God, even as they go on into their week, that you would keep them safe, that you would put a hedge of protection upon them even now, and I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for what you did in this service. I thank you for the lives that you've changed and the lives that you touch. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Don't miss Wednesday night. It's going to be awesome. Don't miss next Sunday. Our pastor from Vietnam is going to be here. It's going to be awesome and tremendous. Praise the living God. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.